uh, that we're starting for this month, and we're going to be talking about money. Let me quickly explain, because I realize there are a lot of people who um, join us online. We called this series all about the Benjamins. I realize a lot of people who join us online are not from this country. So let me quickly explain to you as an American, okay? Benjamins is because Benjamin Franklin, one of America's founding fathers, is on the $100 bill. So that is why we called it, and that is why Benjamin is a slang term for money. It is amazing what you can learn from Alexa when you ask her at 7 o'clock on a Sunday morning like I did today, who is Benjamin Franklin, and that was what I got. So there you go. You learned something today from the naturalized citizen. So let's pray, and then we're going to get to the word. Heavenly Father, we just thank you today. We thank you that we know that you are here with us today. And we just ask now that you'd open our ears, open our hearts. Just help us in this area that so many of us may struggle in, or we may not struggle in it, but we may one day be there. And we just thank you right now that we know that the answers to every question we have is found in your word. And we look forward to hearing what you have to say to us over the next three weeks. Amen. So I am going to open the series today. Dad is up uh, for the next two weeks. Sorry, for those who don't know, Dad is Roger. I always forget to put those two things together. Dad will close out this series for the next two weeks. My husband and I recently bought a car, and it got me thinking back to my first car. When I um, graduated university over in Scotland, my parents had already moved here and had been here for a couple of years. And I got my first job when I got over here at Bank of Smithtown on Main Street right over in Smithtown in their main branch there, and that was where my job was going to be. But of course, it brought up the immediate question of how I was going to get there, so I had to get a car. So a friend of my parents was selling his station car, so dad probably overpaid, but paid $200 for this car that I got that was now going to be my car. It was the most hideous color of blue that you have ever seen. Obviously, I had spent a lot of time in Florida, because you know how the weird paint thing happens if they're out in the sun? It was, I think, a 1980 Toyota Corolla. There is more padding in the seat you are sitting in this morning than there were in the seats in this car. But the one thing I remember most about this car was the gas gauge didn't work. So what I would have to do is get to the gas station, fill up, reset the odometer to zero. Then once I got to 180 miles, I knew it was time that I had to fill up. I'm not good at being told what to do, so I used to like to push that. Until I got to the point where a certain parent of mine, the mean parent of the two, told me that he was not going to rescue me one more time, <laughs> and if I ran out of gas again, I was going to have to learn the bus schedule. <laughs> Terrible. Maybe we should do parenting as the next uh, series, Dad. <laughs> that may have worked because I don't remember running out of gas ever again after that, but that was what I was told. Forward 30 years almost. So Eric and I are going to buy a car. Now, I have a problem with car salesmen. Before you email me, text me, whatever, it's not you, it's me. I cannot haggle. I am terrified if I haggle with you, your child will not go to college, or you will lose your house, or something bad's going to happen. So you tell me the price, I say, fine, that's it, I'll pay it. 
So I, we decided that what we would do would be we would go through an online um, website to buy the car. Man, it was awesome. You go to one of these websites, you put in, say, mileage of a car you want, you put in how many miles on the car, and then it says additional features. It is like being a kid in a candy store. Got to have the heated seats. I need a backup camera. My insurance company says I need a backup camera, but I kind of do. I need a screen. I have to have all of these features. So many choices of things I could have in this car. And then you get to it, you hit enter. Realize I'm a pastor, so probably I'm not going to be driving a Bugatti, so I probably need to tell it how much I actually have to spend at this point, and it makes the choices go down. But all of these features are a choice on all these cars nowadays. But do you know what I've learned? My little Toyota, I don't remember ever having a problem with it besides running out of gas frequently. The more things cars have nowadays, the more things go wrong with cars nowadays. There's all of these features now. Cameras go out, or my seat doesn't warm up quite enough, or my heated steering wheel stops working. And all of these things my little Toyota didn't have, these cars all have nowadays, but things can happen to them. And today what I am talking about is this. Sometimes, always, less is more. The problem is we are trained with, you know what, if I have a dollar, $2 is going to be better. If I have a car, well, two cars is going to be better. I have a house, paid for, it's good, you know what, it's time to get another house. I have this, I need more. And we are living in a society where we are taught over and over more, more, more. And that's not the case. In fact, in the Old Testament, you find King Solomon. If there was a Forbes magazine back in King Solomon's time, he would be number one richest man in the world. If there was another magazine, he would also be wisest man in the world. He had both of those things. But this is what he concluded, and it's found in Ecclesiastes 4.6. Better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. A little is better than a lot. Better to have a little and have peace. Better to have a little and have calm. Better to have a little and have tranquility than have a lot and run yourself ragged. The world right now seems to be we live in where we're playing a game of whoever dies with the most toys wins. But here's the thing. There is not one thing I have bought with money that will be with me when I leave this earth. There is not one thing, it may have been what I wanted more than anything else, but it's not going with me. And here's the truth, when we get to our deathbeds and we start to think about what's important, not one item will be on my mind. Moses lived to be 120, and he, so he knew a few things about this. And here's what he said in Psalm 90, verse 12. He said, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. Studies have actually been done, and they've asked people who know how long they have to live, what's important to you? Relationships, family, 
kids, relationship with God. Not one person mentions how much money they have in the bank, what kind of countertops they have in their kitchens, how many bedrooms they have in their house. There's not even a mention of a pair of shoes there. Not, not sure how that's possible. None of that is mentioned when you start to boil it down to what is actually important in this world. And the problem is, so many of us spend our lives pursuing things that don't even make that list. We're so programmed to go after more and more, but that's not what our time on this earth is supposed to be about. God saved us for so much more. He gave us a purpose that is so much more. Stuff can lead to heartache and keeps us from our true, true purpose. So today, my main text is gonna be that Ecclesiastes 4.6. Better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. So what I wanna do today is give you about as practical a message as you could possibly get. But I wanna give three steps that maybe we could start to think about when it comes to living a less is more life. Number one is this, we gotta learn to cut back. We live in a world where right now COVID is somewhat of a pandemic, thankfully on its way out, but actually discontentment is something that is ravaging our world. We're never satisfied. We're never happy. You work towards something and then immediately start thinking about how you can make it better. You buy your dream house, you move in and you start to think about what can I do to make this house better? You buy a new car, and you start to think about, you know what, if I change up this or I change that, we're always working towards something else. The Apostle Paul talked about that in Philippians. Philippians 4.11, he said this, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now to be quite content whatever my circumstances. Here's the great news for us today. That's not where Paul started out. He talks about he's learned to be quite content. He's learned contentment through the course of his life, and that's a path that we should be on too. You go back to the first chapter in the Bible, and God actually himself gives us an incredible example of contentment. So you, Genesis chapter one, right at the beginning, God creates the heaven and the earth. Then he creates the sky. He creates light and dark. He creates the ocean. He creates the land. Animals, birds, fish. Then he creates humans. And it says in Genesis 1:31, it says this. He looked at it and he saw that it was good. And what did he do the next day? He rested. He did not look at it and say, you know what? Maybe I should have made Greenland a little bigger. Or, you know, that America is a weird shape with that piece sticking out at the bottom. Maybe I'll change that. Rhinoceros would look better with maybe one more tusk. He looked at it and he was content. He was content. I love watching like house hunter type shows. I don't know if you guys watch those on HGTV. I watch a lot of them. 
And you see these people who walk into these houses that to me look absolutely incredible. And they start picking it apart. And you see some of these closets. Now, I was thinking the other day, when I was growing up in Scotland, I think my, we didn't have closets, we lived in an old house, we had wardrobes. So it was a separate piece of furniture. I think my wardrobe was probably about this wide. No idea how that worked. But it fit all my clothes in it. And now I watch these shows, and there's closets, complete rooms with couches. I saw a closet that had stairs up to the second level. <laughs> you and me both. And it's like we're going for more and more because we have more and more and more stuff. The amount of storage places they are opening on Long Island is a little scary, but it's because we have to have more and more and more and more. And now we're paying to store our stuff because we've accumulated so, so much of it. This is a reminder to each of us this morning, less is more. Better to have one full handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. Jesus spoke about this in Luke. Luke 12, 15, he said this, beware, don't always be wishing for what you don't have. For real life and real living are not related to how rich we are. It's not about the stuff. This life was never meant to be about how much stuff I can get or how fancy the stuff I have can be or how much better it could be. He actually told a parable that, that was, came from. And here's what he said, Luke 12, 16. He gave an illustration. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. In fact, his barns were full to overflowing. He couldn't get everything in. He thought about his problem and finally exclaimed, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough. And I'll sit back and say to myself, friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Wine, women, and song for you. But God said to him, fool, tonight you die, then you, who will get it all? We all know it in our heads, but sometimes it's a good reminder, and that's kind of where I'm going today, is a reminder to each and every one of us. Our life will never consist of how much stuff we have. Our life is never defined by the abundance of things that I possess. It can be very easy, though, for us to accumulate, accumulate, accumulate and keep thinking about what can I have? How can I make it better? What can it be? And perhaps today is the day to remind yourself that life is about so much more than what we possess, that less is more, and perhaps today is the day to say, you know what, I gotta start cutting back, and I gotta be content with what I have. Learn to live with that. We're not called to be always looking for next and best and biggest. We're called to be Christ followers who can show his example to others. So maybe today is the day to start cutting back. The second practical step for living a less is more life is this. Maybe you need to start clearing 
out. Not going to go Marie Kondo on you, but maybe today is the day. It is no secret, because you guys see me up here most weeks, that I may possibly have a wardrobe that is bigger than this now. Possibly. I may have a few clothes. Let's be honest. Here's the thing, though. I am a ridiculous bargain shopper. I, there is not one thing in my closet that I have paid full price for. In fact, most of my clothes I get from resale sites like eBay or Poshmark where people sell stuff that they have. So it may be that some of my clothes I actually buy secondhand. I, um, shoes I only buy new, but I buy a lot of my things secondhand, whatever. I am a ridiculous shopper. I spend a lot of time because I know what, what I like and I'm not going to pay you the full price for it. Next month, my son is getting married. So, of course, you have to shop because now I'm mother of the groom and I have to do shopping for that. So, the other night, I was on um, one of my websites and I found these shoes. Beautiful, right? They were over 90% off. In fact, uh, a Starbucks run would cost you less than these shoes cost me. I saw them, I'm like, I have to have them. Like, it, it's just like incredible. A gift from God, he, these shoes. Now, these shoes are really, really great, but here's the problem. Last month, I found these shoes. Ridiculous sale, couldn't pass them up, had to have them. Now, here's the problem. I already had these shoes that I have worn once. Haven't worn them any other time. Now, if I was an ant with six legs, I'd be golden right now. But I'm not made that way. Now, here's the problem. I, this is a money series we're talking about. None of these shoes did I put on a credit card. They weren't a financial hardship for me to get these shoes. I'm a ridiculous bargain shopper. I, all of these shoes combined is probably about 50 bucks I paid for them. But, oh yeah, it, it, it's, it's a gift. It's also almost a full-time job, but that's another issue. But here's the thing. They did not cost me much when it comes to financial resources. But this is now costing me a lot of mental resources. And this is what I mean. First of all, I have to find where to put all these shoes. But second of all, I now, in my mind, for the next seven weeks, will be saying, which ones am I going to wear? You know, they would look a little better, but you know what? These might be better. Or, you know what? What if I choose the wrong pair? Or, you know, uh, which ones are going to be comfortable? The answer to that question is none, of course, right? But that's besides the point. And in, because I have all of these now that didn't cost me much, but now I have a ton of stuff, I'm consuming a lot of time that does not need to be spent on what pair of shoes am I having. And for some of us, the most dangerous words in the English language are, it's on sale. Have you ever stood in a store and tried to say, 
but you know what? It's a ridiculous, I'll find some way to use it. I don't know yet, but you know what? I have to get them, they're on sale. I'll never see that again. Ecclesiastes 4.6, better to have one handful or one pair of shoes than two handfuls or three pairs of shoes with hard work and chasing the wind. That was a Charlotte paraphrase, by the way. And it adds to confusion. Friday, I went to um, the nail salon. Man, just tune out for one minute. This, you will have no clue what I'm about to say. And I walk in and I say, can I have a pedicure, please? And it's the same script no matter what nail salon you go to on Long Island. She'll say, pick a color, right? Pick a color is just the automatic thing they say to you. And they send you to the color wall. You guys have no clue. Did you know there's like 99 versions of pink? It's like, it's incredible. They'll send you to the wall of all the bottles of nail polish. And now I spend all of this time thinking, you know what? If you only had three choices, it would probably be pretty easy for me. But because there's different choices with different brands and things, it gets confusing. Or did you ever have an extra 30 minutes and you say, I'll just watch something on Netflix? There's your 30 minutes has gone and you're still trying to choose what you're gonna watch. Cause there's so many choices on there. Or I'll give you one more. I went to the Cheesecake Factory the other week. Have you ever seen their menu? I'm about to date myself. There are yellow pages with less information in them than a Cheesecake Factory menu. But the problem is all of these choices, all of this stuff just leads to confusion. It leads to me not being able to think clearly. It leads to me being stressed about it. It leads to me wasting time on it that I could be spending on so many other better things. Now, you may be saying right now, what do her shoes have to do with my spiritual life? And the good part is Jesus is about to rescue me again. Matthew 13, he gives a par parable. This, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, 160 or 30 times what was sown. We've all heard this parable over and over again about the seed being sown. But here's what I really want you to listen to. In Matthew, he then goes on to explain that parable. When anyone hears the news of the kingdom and doesn't take it in, it just remains on the surface. And so the evil one comes along and plucks it right out of the person's heart. This is the seed the farmer scatters on the road. The seed cast in the gravel, this is the person who hears and instantly responds with enthusiasm. But there is no soil of character. And so when the emotions wear off and some difficulty arrives, there's nothing to show for it. This is the next verse I really want you to pay um, attention to, and here is what it says. The seed cast in the weeds is the person who hears the kingdom news, but weeds of worry and illusions about getting more and wanting everything under the sun 
strangle what was heard, and nothing comes of it. Here's the thing. Your spiritual life can be strangled and suffocated because all your energy, your resources, your time are taken up by your possessions and your pursuit of them. It may be that you spend more time in the morning working out what you're going to wear because you have so many clothes to choose from than you do actually in God's word. It may be all the time trying to make choices because there's so many things available to you are keeping you from hearing from God because your mind is just tied up in everything that's going on. When you cut back, when you clear out, it brings freedom for your soul. It's much easier to make choices and there's not a drag on your life. You're able to connect much, much better. So this morning, I want to encourage you, and yes, I realize I am talking to myself and me. Maybe it's time to start clearing some stuff out. Maybe it's time to find a better home for it. Maybe it's time to say, you know what, I know you are the best bargain I ever had, but maybe it's time I bless somebody else with it. Maybe it's time to sell it myself. Maybe I should get in my own account and start selling some of the stuff that I've bought. Whatever it is, it's time to start clearing some of the stuff out that's adding to the confusion in our lives and using up mental energy that we really should be using on God and his word. Finally, because this is a money series, let me just say this. When it comes to less is more living, it is, of course, ridiculously apparent that that, of course, applies to debt. And the Bible actually has a lot to say about that. So the third part of living a less is more life is this, begin to pay off. It's time we begin to pay off. One of the, um, I guess one of, probably the foremost uh, experts when it comes to money in evangelical circles is of course Dave Ramsey. And a lot of you have done his courses, you've read his books, he has some amazing things to say um, when it comes to paying down your debt and being free from debt. But here's the thing, Dave Ramsey is human. So I read his book and I have read his book and I have done Financial Peace when we did it here. And there are some things I agree with him, I will be honest, there are some things I don't um, agree with him about, and that's okay. Because Dave Ramsey is a person, Dave Ramsey is a business, and that's what he does. And he has helped an incredible amount of people, and he has helped me, but there's just some things I don't agree with, maybe. When it comes to money, this I can't argue with. So what this says about money, guess what? I have to take that, and I have to see what it says, and I have to abide buy it, because that is the Bible, it is God's word, it is infallible. So I'm going to see what it says when it comes to money. Proverbs 22 verse 7 says this, the poor are always ruled over by the rich. So don't borrow and put yourself under their power. The poor, always. You know what? You may say, you know what, things have been rough. The kids needed some stuff, the refrigerator died, and I've ended up with some credit card debt. And I know that happens, we are human, I'm not here to say you were wrong or whatever it is, but here's what I do wanna encourage you with is this, what's next? Don't compound debt in the pursuit 
of more and more stuff. Let's start on working on less, which might mean that, you know what, it's time to stop the cycle when it comes to credit cards. In fact, for some of you this morning, I am going to give you permission to make one purchase and one purchase only if you don't have such a thing. Pair of scissors. It may be that this is what needs to happen. It may be that you say today, you know what, I got to stop with that. Here's the problem, and I happen to have a degree in economics, which you don't need to be able to say that that $20 item that you put on a credit card 20 years ago and are still paying off cost you a lot more than $20. And it may be, you know what, I'm just putting something little on it. But little things start to add up. And it may be that you could live without that little item that you put on there very, very easily. And today I want to encourage you. It might be the day that you cut the debt. Stop the cycle. Stop spending. Start paying off. We're doing this series because a lot of you mentioned how you did have financial issues that were keeping you awake at night. You said that stress from financial problems were interfering with your life. And let's be honest, I have never ever heard a person say, my debt helps me to feel so much peace. Or, you know what, I'm so thankful for high interest rates. Or I feel so close to God every time I see how much I'm paying. We all know that debt actually causes worry. It leads to tension. It leads to fights in families. It leads to the breakup of some families. And it all boils, boils down to that. So what's the answer? Really, really easy. Stop spending money we don't have. If you can't afford it, don't buy it. Make a budget. Make a plan. Read Dave Ramsey's book. There are some incredible steps in here that are not hard that you might help you. Go to a financial uh, peace, one of his uh, classes. There is some great information that he had. It may be we need to rethink the purchase of necessities too. Better a car that's paid off than a super duper car with big payments that stress you out. That's why we bought a Kia, I'll be honest. Bugatti looked really nice, but Kia was the way to go for us. Better a small house that, you know what, instead of fighting over payments on a big house. Better a staycation than a vacation that you are paying for for the next year after you get home from it. Better that I spend money on things I have now and stop living paycheck to paycheck, terrified of what's going to happen if the paycheck stops. Why is it important? Ecclesiastes 4.6. Better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. Now, I am not this morning telling you that you shouldn't have anything. I'm not saying you can't have nice things. But if you have less, it may be that you're able to have less really, really nice things. Better to own a few nice things than be owned by a ton of junk and clutter. First Timothy says this, if we have bread on the table, 
and shoes on our feet, that's enough. Let's be honest, most of us aren't there yet. But maybe today is the day that we start thinking in that direction. You want to know where, if whether less is more living actually works? I have an opportunity for you. October 30th, we're heading back to the Dominican Republic. You want to see people living with less? There's, there it is. See kids playing in the streets with just sticks and stones? See people whose houses consist of one room and not a very big room at that? And then go to church with those same people and see smiles on their faces and people worshiping God like you've never seen before? It works. And I gotta say, they seem less stressed and anxious than we do for the majority of the time that we see them down there. So October 30th, we will be headed back down to Dominican Republic for a week. In the next couple of weeks, I'll have more information on that. See, it all boils down to this. James 4.14 said this. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. In the scheme of things, our life is not much at all. A mist that vanishes. We blink and our kids have grown up. We blink again and we're wondering where all the years have gone. Listen, your life and my life is too valuable and our calling is too great and our God is too good to waste this life on meaningless stuff. You were not put on this earth at this time to accumulate stuff for yourself. You were put here to make a difference in the lives of others. You were put here to make a difference. You were put here to hurt, hug the hurting. You were put here to bind up the broken. You were put here to love the unlovable. You were put here to point the way to Jesus for the lost. Your calling is too great to be tied up with bigger and better and more and more and more. And here's the thing, if I have one handful with quietness, I have a spare hand there that I can reach out to others that I can come alongside somebody and give them the hug that they desperately need, that I can open my Bible to somebody and say, listen, I was thinking of you, I wanna just pass this verse on to you. But it all comes down to, I cannot be spending all my mental resources, all my physical resources on getting more and more and more for me. That's not what life is about. Better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. Better to have one handful than some really good friendships than the pursuit of things and no spiritual community. Better to have one handful and the ability to make a difference in someone's life than two handfuls and being consumed with myself. But how do we get there? We start with recognizing less is more. We learn to cut back. We learn to clear out and we begin to pay off. And from there, we will each find a freedom that is not only gonna make a difference in our lives, but actually because of it can make a difference in the lives of so many others. Because I have the time and the energy to reach out to others. For some of us, this is probably 
one of the toughest messages you've heard in a while because it is an area that is a struggle. And it may be today you say, you know what, I just can't. I'm just how I am, I'm wired. I've learned that I have to be always on the pursuit of more and more and more and more. And today God wants to say to you, you know what? He's gonna come alongside you. He can help you when it comes to that area. He can help you so that you have the resources and the energy. It may be just something that is huge in your life. And today we're gonna say, you know what, God, please just come be with me today. Remind me, I don't need stuff. I have you. And I have you and you're gonna make a difference when it comes to this area. Won't you stand with me today?